In this episode of the Ball Bluff Podcast, I interview pro COD player, host of the After the Horn Podcast, play-by-play broadcaster, and friend Braden Chevry, and talk to him about his thoughts and opinions surrounding the Red Sox. Okay, I am here with Braden Chevry, who is the host of the After the Horn Podcast. He's a pro COD player, and he's a play-by-play hockey announcer. So, Braden, always a pleasure, man. Hey, thank you for having me in. I'm excited. Yeah, so... I don't have Nate, so it's just going to be me and you today. So here's my first question. I think we all, we both know the Red Sox are just terrible right now and they are dead last in their division and they seemingly have almost had no offense until this weekend, but they just lost to the Rangers seven to one. But here's my first question. It's very generic. Do you think that the Red Sox can turn their season around? I I do. Um, now I have the luxury of being Canadian, so I, I can always use the Blue Jays cop out if, if they don't, but, um, no, I, I really think they do. They had some really high expectations coming into this year, maybe a little too high. Um, we have a, a really good division as well. Um, you know, the Yankees, the Red Sox, the Blue Jays, uh, and, and maybe even the Rays are, are teams you're going to look for in the playoffs. Um, but I, I think I'm sure we're going to talk about it. Pitching and, and situational hitting has been an issue. Um, and I think that's been an issue for the entirety of the league. Um, I mean, we've seen hitting numbers be up this year, but um, I definitely think when, when you look at past teams in, in the past couple of years, this is one of the better ones. This team has a chemistry unlike any other. You, you can see it in their social media. You can see it in, in their games, stuff like that. Um, the chemistry is really, really good. Again, we can't say it's early season for too, too much longer. I think a luxury of baseball is that it is the longest regular season. But at the same time, uh, you know, people are starting to get in their groups. We're starting to see the pitchers that are good. We're starting to see the hitters that are good. It's it's less about streaks now. So the the Red Sox do have to figure that out in a in a one through nine situation. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, I think I think I said in my last episode, but standings don't really matter till Memorial Day, and we're kind of creeping up on that Memorial Day deadline per se. And it's kind of concerning that we're I think double digits back right now. And to be in a division like the American League East. That's very concerning. I think you and I know that. I know the Blue Jays are scuffling a little bit right now, and the Yankees, they're a very much a pleasant surprise right now. Still haven't hit 10 wins, 10 losses, rather. That's insane. But, you know, one one aspect about the Red Sox right now is that's been very bad is the bullpen. And mm. I had a huge argument with – or not argument, uh, we'll call it – Friendly Sports dispute. arguments are the best, though. Like when they ruin <laughs> friendships, that's how you know. Nah, Fred, we'll, we'll just say friendly dispute about Garrett Whitlock and mm-hmm. his role on the Red Sox pitching staff. He, my friend Nate said uh, he he believes that the perfect spot for him is the rotation. Well, I completely disagree with him and say we need that reliable arm you can go to in the bullpen. And I wanted to ask you, what do you th- what role do you think he's suitable for right now? in the Red Sox pitching staff. Yeah. I've, I've always been a fan of those, you know, six to seven player rotations in in the pitching rotation. 
you know, you have your normal five and then every few weeks you'll have that sixth or seventh guy sneak in, get you about five innings, uh, a usual bullpen guy. And, and I think we saw that out of Garrett a little bit earlier. Um, I think the Red Sox are kind of known for doing that too in taking their bullpen guys and putting them in those starts rather than calling someone up from AAA who is a known starter. Um, one of my hotter takes is uh, that the weakest part of every MLB team, uh, no matter the team, is their bullpen. I think you can't, it's, it's impossible to have a deep enough bullpen. Um, but in terms of Whitlock himself, um, I don't think he's the closer the Red Sox need, uh, but I also don't love him in a normal starting five. Again, if, if we see more of those every couple of weeks where he comes in or if they're getting destroyed early and need somebody as that long reliever, I like him there. Um, I do think his job is in the bullpen. I, I personally think he's more of a setup guy. Now, I don't necessarily have the answer for that closer. When we signed Jake Diekman, I was kind of hoping it would be him and he hasn't done anything. Um, so, yeah, I, I think Whitlock is a great player he, he's been very good for us i think our rotation has outperformed itself a little bit with pavetta and Hauk. I'm, I'm still questionable on them and they've had their ups and downs um but in terms of if we need that fifth spot um or a, a true starting five if we want to move pavetta or Hauk to the bullpen mainly pavetta um i i'd be happier in seeing a triple a pitcher starting pitcher get that spot over Garrett. Hmm. Yeah, that's interesting. I mean, we have the other guy in the Nick Pavetta trade, Connor Siebold, who came in <laughs> for Heath Hembry and Brandon Workman. What a trade that was. I, I miss Brandon Workman. Not not too much on uh, Heath Hembry. Yeah, I mean, he, Heath Hembry has been like a journeyman right now. Ever since he left the Red Sox, Seriously. I don't think he's been on a team for more than half a season so and i i think he has had his moments where he has outperformed himself um i mean we we could have a whole whole episode on heath hembry but oh yeah no it can be like an hour long yeah, <laughs> yeah. just talking about heath hembry <laughs> as, as my friend says he pees his pants whenever he has to save a game sorry you didn't it's that. true it's you true he, he is he is great in innings like six through eight if you put him in the ninth you're giving up ten <laughs> yeah don't put them in the don't put them in the extra innings because the tony clark rule screw them <laughs> yeah okay next we'll, we'll move on um keith emory is a great subject too um <laughs> okay let's talk about the new guys trevor story yes obviously slow start but he basically had no spring training i think he only appeared in like three games in the shortened spring training because of the lockout I mean, is that something you're concerned of? Like the slow start, he, you know, as of recently, he just hit his first home run in Atlanta and apparently he's apparently he's turning it up. He's getting RBIs here and there, but where are your thoughts? Do you think this is a concern? Uh, so I, I was excited when we got him. I think in terms of our prospects and Bogarts, uh, our shortstops are, are really packed. That's, I think, one of the positions we're very good in. And of course, him playing that second base role, uh, I do like him there uh, opposed to like a backup shortstop, a DH, something like that. And I think that was the apparent option when we got him phenomenal shortstop though. And, and he's, he's been okay in the field at second base. Uh, one thing I always try to think of, especially with new people um, 
is he was a Colorado Rocky, unfortunately. <laughs> um, so the, the thing, you know, they, they talk about that home field advantage with, you know, tons of home runs getting hit out there, uh, as well as stamina of pitchers. Like we, we know about the altitude in, in all of the sports uh, and, and baseball is no different. When you play in Colorado, it's, it's going to be tougher. It's one of the better home, you know, court ice field advantages. The hitter's um, park. It, and, and that as well. So you got to think, you know, Trevor, okay, he's been here for a while now. He's been here since, you know, mid off season after the lockout. Um, and so sure. He, he has adjusted to Boston air, Boston climate. Um, but the thing is his swing has, it. he's been here for a while. He's been swinging here for a while, but he hasn't been swinging in games for a while. He is one of those guys that needs an off day more than the average person. Um, now that could just be adjusting to a new scheme, a new system. Uh, I've, I can't say I've been impressed with him because he has underperformed. Um, but I, I like what he brings to the lineup and the potential. It's, you know, even when he's hitting in the high hundreds, low two hundreds, uh, as he was just a few weeks ago, he's still a guy pitchers want to work around. He'll, he'll take a walk from here to there. Even when he's in a slump, he's one of those names uh, that you're not throwing a fastball down the middle to you're, you don't get throwaway pitches with him because you won't get those pitches back. Yeah. I mean, I'm just looking at his home and away splits from last year at home course field. Um, he was hitting um, 296. It's freaking crazy. Yeah. And then, and then his away, he was three points above the Mendoza line, 203. That's a little concerning, but, you know. Yeah, and has- and I, I got to say, Fenway, you know, you, you can say what you want about left, right, center field and, and the dimensions on that, but it's, it's not a, a super easy place to play. Uh, you got the, the monster, of course, and then you got the short area by the bullpen, the pesky pole and stuff like that. Uh, but the environment as a whole, the, that park looks a lot bigger than it actually is. Uh, you know, if, if you're sitting in the batter's box, center field feels like forever away. And, you know, in, in a lot of parks, that, that center field area where in day games they block off, that's not a home run in a lot of places. Green Monster, of course, you know, bouncing off that stuff like that. But I think he's a good all-around player. Again, similar to Whitlock, I think time and and the Red Sox as a whole. I think time is running out where we can say it's just a slow start. Um, But at the same time, in in the the past couple games, he's been doing better. Um, I do think this is going to be a lower year for him than it usually is. Again, part of that is adjusting to a new team, especially a team that isn't Colorado. But yeah, I'm excited to see what he can do the end of this year. If we make playoffs, I know he will show up. And yeah, I'm mainly excited to see what he can bring to this team for the next couple of years. Yeah. So I'm going to talk about Xander Bogarts. So I think everything's making more and more sense on his opt out. I mean, Heim Bloom goes out and gets $140 million on Trevor's story. Mm -hmm. And you have Marcelo Meyer, who was your first Mm -hmm. over first round pick in 2021 in the draft and he's apparently one of the best prospects in all of baseball right now i think it's making more and more sense bogarts is going to want so much money but i think you should use that money towards extending extending someone like devers but 
I think he might opt out. What do, what what are your thoughts on that? So I I don't know how popular my opinion is. I I try to listen to sports <laughs> radio as much as possible, but typically my little brother doesn't like to. So, um, you know, I'm driving him everywhere. But besides the point, I I think we wait a few more months and see where we are around the trade deadline. And if it's not looking great, let's get a return for him. I think there are a lot of teams in this league that need that shortstop. He's a phenomenal player. Um, dude doesn't get cold. He's just hot or less hot. Um, phenomenal fielder. Most One of the most underrated players in the game still, even when he's getting the credit. Um, I think, again, like I was kind of alluding to when we were mentioning story, and, and you mentioned the, the depth we have at the shortstop position. I, I love him. He, he's the face of the franchise. He is Mr. Boston. But at the same time, if if we aren't set up in a good spot by the trade deadline, let's acquire uh, assets to put us in that position, whether that's later in the year or in the future. Um, I think if you even look at our own division, I, I, in thinking right now, maybe other than Bo Bichette, He's the best shortstop in the division. Whoa, 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 whoa. You're putting my boy IKF and Wander Franco? <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> no. Um, but it, with that, like, I, I know interdivisional trades are, are a sin, but just close to home, people want him. So the league as a whole will totally want him. Detroit is a team I could see. You got Jonathan Scope at second. Also have Javi Bias, too. Well, I, I was thinking, you know, you put Xander at, at shortstop and move Javi to second. But scope can can be that DH guy, but again, that's just one location. Tons of teams on the rise um, that that could use them. But let let's let's look at the alternative. If Boston is in a good spot, they're able to turn it around from the beginning of the season, and trade deadline rolls around, and he's still not co- talking contract. A, a lot of players, you know, don't talk contract during the season. Um, then, you know, that, that's when you roll the dice and, and play a risk. Trade deadline passes. You guys are in that two, three spot, maybe a wild card, you know, outside that a little bit. You make a push. You, you load up, uh, you know, the first base side. You load up some of the outfielders, uh, more pitching, especially in the bullpen. And, and you make a run. See if you can get it with them this year. And if not, you know, let fate do its thing. I think if it's him or two or three free agents. I, I personally would go with the two or three free agents just due to our shortstop depth. Yeah. I think another spot that makes sense, St. Louis, they are, mm. I know they, they pitching, they need pitching, but I think if the Red Sox keep struggling, him and Adavaldi would be a perfect spot for St. Yeah. Louis. They're- yeah. St. Louis is, is a team on, on the revival. Um, you know, Yadi Molina is farewell tour something, you know, they're going to need something behind the backstop or in front of the backstop, but Christian Vasquez. Uh, I mean that I was thinking that, and they, they have one of the better pitching organizations uh, in the league in terms of mixture of veterans prospects. Now they don't always perform, but on paper, they are one of the better ones. Paul DeYoung on the downswing as well at shortstop over there. You got a Matt Carpenter on the minors. I think. Yeah. You got Matt Carpenter who isn't there anymore. I think he's in Texas now. Um, so yeah, you, you're, you're Arenado, need... him and Bogarts would be a great left infield. Yeah. And, and you, yeah, 
I think St. Louis would be a good spot um, and, and a good mutual trade to that. I'm personally not the biggest Bobby Dalback fan, and I don't know if they'd give up Paul Goldschmidt, but I, I think that'd be a, a nice one for one. Ooh, yeah. I mean, Bobby D's str- struggles continue, honestly. I think first base is another hole in our lineup, too. I think it has been for a while. Um, yeah. I think know, even, even the championship team had its problems. I, I, I know Steve Pierce. That's Steve Pierce, though. I, mean, I, 20... I love him, but that was such a odd year. He is not that good, but he played his butt off. You know who we um, traded for him? You know who we gave up for him? I don't. Santiago Espinal. Oh, really? That... <laughs> my, my, my guy. That's, that's what you were talking about Toronto. at the game the other day. Yeah. Yep. Now, now, now we're seeing all the Dave Dombrowski prospects that we gave up yeah. becoming big stars. So, you know, I but, still you miss know... Yoan Moncada. Oh, yeah. That 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 trade is like killing me by the day. But it he, was he, got, a good he had trade. a he had a two uh, a two year stretch where he was good. Now he's irrelevant again. Yoan Moncada and Michael Kopech. Yeah, Kopech. I think he leads the league in uh, ERA. And he's only going up. Yeah, he's in his prime. He's a guy like Garrett Whitlock, but I I think he's he's a guy who I can compare to Garrett Whitlock. His long term, he's a, he's going to be a starter long term. No question. Yeah. But well, in Garrett's case, I, I was skeptical about the start he had the other day. And and he lasted actually a lot longer than I thought he would. Which um, one? The Atlanta? The no, his first his first start. Oh, yeah. The one in Toronto? Yeah. Um obviously didn't do great, but I he lasted and performed a lot more than I expected. Um just with his performances in the bullpen, he's lights out for two innings. He's, he's been one of the better bull, bullpen guys. Um, so I was surprised to see that translate into a, a four or five inning uh, ordeal. Yeah. So I think let's continue the category of pitching. Um, okay. Nathan Avaldi. He, although he he's given up way less locks walks. I think he's only had seven walks on this season alone and like what? Nine starts. Yeah. There's seven starts. I don't know. He's given up nine home runs. That is a huge concern. That leads all the major leagues right now. And I think whenever I look at Evaldi, I'm like, ugh, he has home run problems. Even my friend Nate says, ugh, he's, he has homer problems all of a sudden. Do you think that's going to have to change if the Red Sox are going to have to, you know, make a turnaround on their season? Yeah, he, he's another guy, not as severe as, as Steve Pierce, but I, th- I think he's outperforming, excuse me, outperforming himself. Uh, and I think he has been the ace for this team in the past couple of years. Um, so outperforming himself in a, in a very beneficial way. In terms of the home runs, I think part of that comes down to the coaching uh, and, and his bullpen sessions and what he's doing in the days he isn't, uh, you know, on the mound. Uh, which I know is is hard to do, especially in the middle of the season. That's more of the spring training, um, off-season type stuff. But um, I think that with pitching becoming more dominating, especially this year, drastically, home runs are a little more of an issue than they typically are. Now, you know, if, if you're listening and you're like nine home runs, you know, sure, early season, but that's that's not too much. Um, it, with how drastically pitching is taken over, uh, it, it is, it's, it's more of a, like, 
I'd say equivalent to a, a 15 to 17 in other years. Uh, I, With the I'd, offense I'd on this slow of a start than it is. Like, yeah. Like last year, I think you can make a case that's a, that says like it's way worse than not way worse, but it's just as worse as last year, if not worse, you know? Yeah. And, and he's a guy who has played at Yankee stadium, which I could hit a home run in. Um, <laughs> so, uh, so his, his home runs are, are typically uh, abnormally high, but the, the one thing I do like to see is the walks going down. Um, you know, obviously the walks are turning into things coming out of the park, but you're not putting extra men on base. Um, home runs obviously suck. They put runs up on the board, but they aren't putting your arm and your defense in tough situations that you have to work out of. He's one of the quickest pitchers in the league. He can, you know, have an inning with eight pitches and give up a home run in that inning. He's uh he's a pitch to contact guy. He, he used to be a strikeout guy last year. He was a good strikeout guy, but he is fully embracing the contact guy. And sometimes it's, it's biting him. Yeah. I mean, we see him, he's also on his the, on the last year of his contract. And I, in season one of then ball talk now ball blab Nate needs a, that was a ridiculous contract. Dombrowski gave, it was like four years, $48 million. And that's 18 or something like $18 million a year where he was making, I don't know, two and a half million dollars a year, but now it's good to see him live up to his contract. And if he keeps, if he continues his really good performance, he's going to be a hot arm on the free agent market and really a former high bloom product. You know, we saw him yeah. in Tampa get traded for, I who do you get traded for? Oh, I'm blank. Jalen Beeks. That's his name. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but well, the, he- the thing with pitching, especially a few years ago, um, with Nate Valdi, is teams are willing to, especially the Red Sox, they've had a history of doing this, and I'm going to bring up a name that they literally did this to. Um, it's it's a win now business, unless you're drafting a pitcher or trading a big name guy for pitching prospects. Um, it's it's a win now business, especially in free agency. Excuse me, free agency. Um, there is not one reason that David Price should be making $32 million this year. But the Red Sox needed him now. He led him to a World Series. I mean, didn't lead them, but he was a part of he was part of that run, had a decent playoffs, uh, helped out LA in the playoffs. He's a known playoff pitcher. He was with Tampa, Detroit, etc. He is someone who 182 days of the year, 182 games of the year is not somebody that's worth $32 million, but I'd pay him 50 in the playoffs. So I think of all these the same way we've, we've seen him in all of his teams be that playoff guy. And, you know, that's questionable for the Red Sox right now. And, you know, I, I'd love to see somebody like Chris sale, show up to work but um you know right now he is the number one guy he's making number one guy money um obviously home runs are a problem but he is doing the the best he can as a red sox pitcher and unfortunately red sox pitching is the weakness i mean it has been for god knows how many years now their offense has seemingly been okay but now it's flip-flopped but the starting pitching is good, but then the bullpen continues to be an issue. You know, the offense, when you have a good offense and a bad pitching, 
all around pitching. I'm just saying starters and relievers yep. tend to have terrible results. Like 20, I give 2019 as an example, 84 wins. That was mm-hmm. the exact same team minus a closer. That's yep. huge. Minus a closer and Joe Kelly. That was the exact same team. And then you, you win, sorry, you lose like at least 20 more games, more than 20 more games than yeah. previous year. I mean, and then we see, an elite rotation. I'm going to do 2019. 2019 Mets had a great rotation. They had an mm-hmm. amazing rotation. DeGrom, Syndergaard, Wheeler, you know. And somehow they have a better one this year. <laughs> yeah. I mean, when you go out to get Max Scherzer for that. Seriously, the guy who doesn't like uh, ceremonial opening pitches. <laughs> wow. Yeah. That, that, that dude, that was just wrong, I think. <laughs> yeah. But I'm going to give you one more question before we go. Um, yeah. I think the bullpen, it's very clear that the Sox have problems in their bullpen. Yeah. Um, I know we kind of talked about the closer rule. Um, do you think the Red Sox need to name a closer to turn this around? Because last year in the first half, way good, it was really good. Why? Because you had Matt Barnes, who was seemingly unhittable through July until the Springer dinger. He was ninth inning guy without a question. Do you think the Red Sox are going to need that if they're going to get back in the win column? A hundred percent. And like I mentioned, the bullpen is the weakness of every team in the league, just due to how pitching is and how, you know, you're, you're either on or off depending on the day. And, you know, if you're going to the bullpen and they're off, that's, that's the game, but the players need to know their role. Trevor story got here listed as a shortstop. He got here played second base. He, he knows that's his role. Now he's working to obtain that. Especially when it comes to pitching, you need to know your role. And I think as a morale boost for the entire team, the pitching staff needs the coaching staff to put some trust in someone. Now I'm, I'm not saying name a closer, 20 blown saves, you stick with them, but you do need to name a closer, see how it goes. And if it doesn't work out, you name a new one. You don't do this, you know, literally five different closers in the, in the part of a season. I think the most you should ever go is three based on situations. You have one lefty, one righty, and one guy who is your middle reliever that is lights out recently. Yeah, that, I mean, that's my take on it. Yeah, I think we're not the Tampa Bay Rays who, no. if, you go, if you go on the street and get someone, they'll pitch yeah. a sub one year right. You know, we're not the yeah. Tampa Bay Rays. Our pitching but just, just to prove my point, their long relief is their struggle. You know, I, like I said, well, well, I can't stress it enough. It's, it's one of my personal takes that the bullpen is the weakest part of any team. If they're, you know, it's, it's rare, but if their starters are struggling and you have to put someone in the third or fourth inning, they're going to lose that game just because their bullpen will do significantly worse than when it's a sixth, seventh. Yeah, I mean, like like I was saying before, I mean, the Tim Bay Rays are inventors of bullpen days, and you can't get someone who on the Red Sox and have them, you know, close this game and then close another game. That's just not how the Red Sox pitching staff works. It's so, I don't want to say undeveloped, but it kind of is in a sense. I mean, the Tampa Bay Rays have, like, the best bullpen in the league, and to mimic them, I think, is a mistake, and by naming a closer, I think I think 
the only guy I would consider right now for the Red Sox to close is Hansel Robles. And he, in April, he was really good. He was, he had that earn run, earn run streak. And then he gave it up in Baltimore in early May. But, you know, I think, I think I agree with you. I think the Red Sox are going to need to go in that direction. If they're going to turn anything around, they got to name the closer. They got to address the bullpen. I think more, because I think, I think Cora knows what he's doing, but I think just having a, you know, this guy's going to do this in it. Uh, this is going to be the setup man. If yeah. we're up one, nothing, I think Cora already has that late eye, but uh, yeah, it's, it's good to have flexibility, but it's, yeah, also, it, it's better to have those set people, you know, when, when you're in a, a crunch and you need to throw something at a, a good batting team, <clears throat> that, that wonder of, okay, who is coming out to face me is great. But at the same time, in those routine games, I mean, you're, you're playing more over 150 games. So you need players who can cement that rule. And when unique scenarios come up, you throw quite literally a curveball at them. But in, in terms of our offseason, like you said, Robles, Eekman, uh, we knew Barnes would, would be on the decline a little bit. So we were looking for closer caliber caliber players. Deekman closed a little bit in Texas. He's mainly a setup guy. Same thing for Robles, more of a setup guy, but can certainly uh, close it out. It, we have we have the quality on paper. It hasn't worked out so far. Um, and I think even someone as as much as I hate him, like Valdez, could be somebody you put in the ninth. And and they've put him in the eighth a lot. They put him in in the ninth occasionally. He gets hit more more than he doesn't. I think his average against has to be somewhere in the 800s. But still, it it's somebody who has that experience in late games. Now, is the answer for me in the Red Sox bullpen? Potentially. Like I said, we spent a lot of money and a lot of time finding people for certain scenarios. But is it elsewhere? It certainly could be. And that's where potentially is. Xander Bogart's move or one of uh, our many, many, many starting caliber pitchers could be shipped off to. Yeah. Well, Braden, it'll be an interesting few weeks, I think, as we Absolutely. go continue to get out of the beginning of the season territory, you know, yeah. it's going to be well, very it's... interesting to see what this team is capable of. And, you know, the offense did come to life in, in the last week, but then we saw Brazier. He's terrible <laughs> right now. Uh, yeah, once once spring ends and summer starts, I think other than playoffs, uh, it's the most interesting time in the MLB. Sure, you know, down the stretch, you have some of the tightest playoff races in any sport in MLB, um, just due to the amount of games and and strength of certain divisions. But um, certainly, the most um, most important time for any franchise is in these next couple of weeks. It is the trajectory of your season doesn't change too, too much in just a few weeks. You're either on the up or the down. And that's when you start making decisions from the top down. Well, Braden, it's always a pleasure, man. Thank you so much for being on the pod. And hey, thank you for Sox. having me. Yeah. Go socks, go blue Jays. Uh, <laughs> I know Alex and I are going to be starting up after the horn once again, and we will definitely have you on there uh, to talk some hockey and, and you can, come on our baseball segment as well. So thank you for yeah. uh, having me on here today. It was yeah. One more question. Who do you got for the Stanley cup? That's my last Ooh, question. 
Oh, that's that's a good question. Uh, to my right is Game Seven of the Penguins and Rangers, and and that's been a good one over to my right over here. But who's winning that? Uh, I believe the Penguins are. I believe they scored with about a minute left in the second. They're going in the third period right now. Um, but no, that that is a good one. I think Tampa is someone who they've won back to back for a reason. There's no reason they can't win three, especially against Florida, who looked a little sloppy in the first round um carolina as much as i hate the bruins um like they they beat a good team uh and they're where they are in the standings for a reason avalanche i'll i think deserve one but they won't uh they get less credit for choking than the leafs do but probably do it as much uh, and I would just like to take a second and laugh, laugh at the Leafs for, <laughs> for losing again. Um, but no, I, I think Flames are in a game seven tonight. I've been disappointed in them so far. I thought I had them and the Leafs going to the cup. Uh, jokes on me for having the Leafs winning the cup. Should have known that being, you know, from Toronto, I, that, that that's not going to happen. But um no, I, I think Tampa is, is the favorite, especially after putting down Toronto, even though I know they're cursed. That was the best Toronto team we've seen in years and one of the best overall hockey teams we've seen in years. Yeah, um, that's a great take, Brandon. Um, I think I'm going to go Carolina. They were just so good that series, watching the Bruins. Yeah. And Ronta, he played his butt off, but he is the backup goalie. Freddie Anderson, hate that man more than it. Anybody <laughs> in the NHL. No, that's that's a joke. I hate Brad Marchand more. But Freddie Anderson, I applauded when when the Leafs got rid of him. But uh he he is one scary goaltender and he was especially this year. Well, Braden, thank you so much and go socks. <laughs>